wanna be a starving artist. I don't wanna be a starving artist. I just want to find a way to live. Hello. I'm Anna Eastley. You are listening to Starving Artist. It's the podcast about art and money and figuring out how to make that equation work. So last week we had an episode that was all about ideas. So this week we're going to do something more nuts and bolts. Tax. This week features an interview with Jeff Phillips. He's an artist, illustrator, and tax genius, but he was not always a tax genius. This week, he tells us about his private freelancer tax shame, (laughs) how he got out of it, and why he's now a complete boss when it comes to tax time. A few things I want to note just before we begin. Jeff is Australian. I'm Australian. So we're talking all about Australian stuff, Australian dollars, Australian laws, That being said, a lot of this interview is about feelings and procrastination and how to game your brain into doing smart things with money. So a bunch of it is applicable no matter where you are. Because of that, though, we also use a few Australian terms that I'll just give you a heads up about now. We talk a little bit about this thing called GST, which is actually an Australian tax called goods and services tax. It's about 10% on most sales of goods or services. You don't really need to know any more than that, but we mentioned the acronym a few times, so I just wanted to make sure you had some idea of what we were talking about. And on that note, one last thing, we also mentioned the ATO, which is the Australian Taxation Office. It's basically the IRS, if you're in America, or the HMRC, if you're in the UK, or whatever the acronym is, wherever you are. That's all the notes from me. So now, I bring you the sexiest topic known to man, taxation for your creative business. Let's do this. Jeffrey Phillips, I have you in, well, we're not in the studio, I have you in your kitchen. Can you tell us first what your name is and what you do? Um, My name is Jeffrey D. Phillips. Uh, I'm an illustrator. And can I ask you, are you a financial advisor? Um, not now. <laughs> uh, I almost was. I worked in financial advice for three years, four years, straight out of uni. So if people are listening to this, should they take your financial advice legally? Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> no, no, no. Great. Perfect. Just, mm. Just letting everyone know. Jeff is not a licensed financial advisor, but he knows a lot about tax. So that's why we're talking to him. So just to get things straight, you're an illustrator and you do that full time. I'm an illustrator and yes, I do that full time. When was the last time that you had a normal job? Uh, That would have been maybe six years ago, seven years ago when I worked in finance. In financial advice, that was my normal job. That was nine to five. So you've been doing freelance art tax for six years? Yes. Yes. And you just registered for GST. Is that correct? Yeah, I I registered for GST last year. So I've done one year of working and charging GST. And I'm yet to file that tax return. So that should be fun. 
just to be clear for everyone who's listening, you need to file for GST after you start having a revenue over $75,000. Is that correct? Almost. So it's when your turnover trips over 75000 So turnover means when you've invoiced. And again, this is not advice. This may actually not be what turnover means, but this is what I think turnover means. We should be clear about that. Uh, so when you've you've invoiced for 75000 as soon as you send off that last one that puts you over that threshold, you need to register for GST. Uh, I did that over the phone. I called up and said, I need to register for GST. And they were just like, okay. And then I gave them my tax file number or something and and it was done. And then from that point on every invoice, I had to go plus GST. Luckily, I timed it. So when I had to register for GST, it was at the start of a new financial year because I, I kind of like saw it coming. So So I started the financial year with like a a fresh slate. And I think that really helped because they didn't have like, you know, we're like half a year of no GST and half a year of GST. And it's also easy on your clients when you're invoicing because if there's like a sudden change, you know, you don't have to, it's awkward explanation of. Of what's happening. Yeah. I love the way that you managed to talk yourself down in that. Oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I just want to mention this episode is not really about being registered or not registered for GST. I just kind of wanted to make that clear so that people know like where you're coming from in terms of how you have your tax set up. (laughs) But the reason that I chose to speak to you actually is because our good friend Madeline Dorr, who runs Extraordinary Routines, which is a great website, about the routines of some of Australia's greatest artists. Little plug to Madeline. (laughs) The routines of some amazing artists she told me that you were the person to talk to about tax. And she said that you knew about special services income tax averaging. Mm. Now, I'm not going to ask you to explain what that is because this conversation is more about kind of an introduction to tax. But when she said that, I thought, I have no clue what that means. This person must know some stuff. Do you feel like you've learned a lot about tax over the last six years of working for yourself? Yeah, yeah. Having a degree in finance or working in the financial industry doesn't automatically give you a working tax knowledge. That was something I picked up purely from needing to know like right away. So I was sending invoices, you know, to do that, you need an ABN. Where do you get an ABN? Google how to get ABN, get ABN realized that there's this thing called GST. Do I need to apply for GST? I've heard it's, you know, really complicated. Oh, thank goodness. I don't need to apply for GST. This is like five years ago. Uh, So it was all very incremental. Whenever I encountered a term or concept that I didn't know, I'd Google it and then I would know. (laughs) I'm really amazed that you have a background in finance. And yet when you came to start doing art as you're living, you really were starting from scratch again. Mm. And I think, you know, artists have in some ways more complicated tax situations than people with normal salaried jobs. And yet it can be really difficult to find the information and to learn about how to do it. So to start with, I actually want you to go back in time Mm. And think about 
when you weren't that good at tax. <laughs> you said that there was a period of time where you actually didn't do your tax. Yeah. Um, FYI, ATO, if you're listening, that tax was done. It, it got done. But, uh, but yeah, when I worked full time, tax was super easy. I don't know if we had e-tax. I think we had e-tax back then. But it was, you know, you collect your group certificates, um, you know, you plug everything in and it tells you, oh, you have a return. One of my first jobs out of uni, my employer had me work as a contractor. And I, I didn't know what, what that meant at the time. And, and that's when I got introduced to ABNs, actually. So I got an ABN and, you know, I would make these invoices and... I don't know what I was doing. And, and that was the start. That was the start of, you know, my like three-year, four-year, whatever backlog of not doing my tax because when tax time came around, I didn't know how to do it because e-tax just did not work anymore. I mean, it didn't work anymore, but it, it was like a different part of e-tax and maybe I needed an accountant. Did I need to keep receipts? Like travel logs? Did I have to do that too? And so I kind of just like, you know, put it aside and, you know, so I'll, I'll work on it later. It's just too difficult to figure out. And the next year rolled around and the next year rolled around and then I got a new job. And then, you know, this time it was, you know, a legit nine to five. And now I could do my tax properly, but I couldn't actually submit anything because I still had like, you know, the previous few years of this mess this sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I had Excel spreadsheets, you know, with like invoices and numbers and, you know, I didn't know, do I restart the numbering system at the end of a you know, financial year? What do you do? So they all just kind of just lay there and just like fested. And uh, that was the start of like my first sort of like my tax shame. <laughs> your, yeah. your private tax shame. I've had my private tax shame. I think many artists have private tax shame. Mm. And I think what you're saying is that it it compounds. Like little things like, yeah. oh, do I start numbering again on my invoices at the start of a financial year? What am I allowed to deduct? Uh, <laughs> does my rent count as a deductible if I'm working from my bedroom? <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Mm. So. I think for many people when they're in a situation where they don't know what they're doing, mm. there's something that they need to kind of unlock the knowledge gate. Mm. So do you know for you at that time, what was the key to opening more understanding and getting out of your private tax shame? Uh, absolutely. Well, the, the way to do it was to just file those returns. So it's very hard to even think about tax when you've got this, this you know, Thing that you need to deal with. I don't know if this applies to everyone, but specifically to me, like I can't move on until I've dealt with it, you know? Well, you can't lodge a tax return. Like if you need to lodge your current tax return, you can't do it unless you've lodged your previous tax returns. So the, the system won't let you do that. Actually, you can. Oh um, there, yeah, I've lodged a tax return without lodging the previous one and it got messy. It definitely got messy. I wouldn't recommend it. So you said that filing your tax returns is the way to go, but how did you go about it? Did you bite the bullet and get an accountant or did um, you go, okay, actually screw all my deductibles for all of that. I'm just going to yeah. put it in. Yeah. So so one night and I remember this was 
this is when I was on the way to being, you know, you know, studying graphic design, illustration. I, you know, left full-time work and now I was invoicing people as a as an illustrator. I was using this ABN again that I dug out of a dusty box somewhere. And I was like, well, I, I have to do this. Let me break this task down into bite-sized chunks. So I found like, you know, 2011 or something. And I went, I'll just deal with this. All I will do is I'll just find all the, the invoices for that year and I'll find all the receipts and like put them together. That's all I'll do. And I'll do the same for the next year and the next year. And once I have that done, I'll be able to move on to the next step. How long did that take you, that whole process? Well, by 3 a.m., I'd catalogued and filed and sorted each of those years. And it was actually pretty easy to do. I don't know why I'd, it had taken me so long to do that. Yeah, it was all the all the receipts were there. I just, you know, dumped them all out on the floor and just like went through each one. 2012 goes here, 2011 goes here. There was a pile for 2013. Yeah, I just got on a roll and then it was all done. And then I took each of those boxes and I went to a, an accountant and I just said, here are the receipts and things for this year. And I'd put them all in an Excel spreadsheet, you know, so this is how much I invoiced and these are my expenses. And uh, I said, here, you know, and I just went, whatever it's going to cost me, I just need to get this off my chest. I need to move on with my life. And yeah, they they just did it. They just went, okay, thank you, and put numbers into their whatever system and spat out returns for three years. What I love that you touched on there is yeah. that I think that the subject of money can seem like a really black and white topic, but mm. there's so much emotion that goes around it. And like you talking about, I needed to move on in my life. It sounds like you're going through a breakup. Yeah. It's really hard to look towards the future optimistically when you still got stuff to deal with in your past and that can be a relationship and it can also be you know an unfiled tax return um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you asked a really great question of yourself you said why did I not do this earlier it actually Mm. wasn't that hard but previous to this when we were having a chat over the phone about what we might talk about you said little doubts if left unattended lead to massive amounts of procrastination yeah (laughs) <laughs> and I think you are totally spot on as to that is that is how you get in these situations. It's yeah. the tiny stuff that you can't answer that builds up over a huge amount of time. Yeah, yeah. There's always, like I've always been a procrastinator, but I've always tried to work out like what triggers procrastination. And for me, it's always when I'm approaching a task or an issue or a problem or something, there is a, there's a question mark somewhere. Like I might not realize what it is. Like I don't know where to begin or, you know, there's a little thing that needs to be sorted out first or I need to make a phone call. And it kind of like, it's just, it's like a pimple. Like, you know what I mean? Like it just sort of like clogs the pore and then everything just builds up behind it. Sometimes you forget what it is. Like you forget that the reason why you're procrastinating is because you just have to sort something out or make a phone call or research a word or 
Yeah, my psychologist would say that that's difficult emotions that interfere with your effectiveness. So, (laughs) and I see it, like I have some friends that recently went through the process of trying to do a few years of tax returns. Mm. And I think there's a lot of shame associated with that. And I've been that person and I've been like, I don't know what I'm fucking doing. And I don't want to tell an accountant that. So the idea of calling them up and being like, hey, here's how I'm shit at life. (laughs) Yeah, the feelings associated with doing something like that, like really get in the way and kind of stop you from making the move. Yeah. So I want to move on, actually. We've we've dwelled on your private past. Yeah. Now very public. Yeah. Your your public tax shame. Yeah. I want to know what do you do now? Like what do you do differently Uh now? And what's really helped you? Because it sounds like now tax is like super easy for you. Mm. Well, it is. It is now. I've got my shit together. But I think I think we need to rewind like a, a couple sure. of steps. Um, so so all this tax shame happened in Perth yes, um, right before I moved to Melbourne. So when I'd finally, you know, filed three years worth of tax returns and I was like really happy and I was like this fourth year I have all my you know all my shit together I can't wait for tax time it's just going to be amazing I'm going to like first of July I'm just going to be like it's all done you know hand it over to an accountant and get it out of the way that was the dream however in the middle of all that I moved to Melbourne and during the moving process I left all my paperwork in Perth so that first year I moved to Melbourne I couldn't file anything despite my best intentions. Once again, I had like another year of returns that I needed to file. No. Yeah. Yeah. Back, back there again. So they were all in a box and that box was at a friend's house and that friend went on holiday. But sometimes when you have someone else to blame, it's like, it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was like, oh, a friend went on holiday. uh, Story of my life. Yeah, I'm waiting for, you know, them to come back and that's why I can't file anything. And eventually I got that paperwork back and, uh, you know, there were envelopes of receipts and things and I looked at it and I just went, oh, I have to just sort through all that and I'll do it later. And um, two years went by and then I had, a again, I had another box of receipts from one year and another box of receipts from another year. So, Oh, my God, you did the same thing again. Like yeah. like the next year you did it. Yeah, yeah, um, it happened again. This is a beautiful story and I just want to say I think that probably there's people who are listening who feel a lot better about themselves yeah. and that's a precious gift that you are giving them. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be the gift giver. So old habits die hard. I again wound up with two years of unfiled tax returns. I'd get letters from the ATO for the previous years that I'd returned saying, your returns were late, but we let you off the hook this time. Don't do it again. (laughs) So I was like, shit, done it again. And yeah, so again, I had this backlog, but this time I knew knew what to do. You just have to like find the time, sit down, just empty out all these boxes put them into little neat piles, add everything and take it all to an accountant. So one day out of the blue, this bug bites me and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to do it now. And I just cleared my desk and just dumped all these receipts out and, and did it. Two years worth of returns I put onto an Excel spreadsheet. I went down to the local H&R block and made an appointment with Frank or someone. 
handed over my returns. Frank didn't know what an illustrator was. Frank was just a general everyday accountant. Frank picked up one, Frank may not have been his name, by the way. Frank picked up one key detail in my return, which was I listed myself as a primary producer, which for those who don't know, is a farmer. So I don't know how, how that happened. I thought, it was, I thought I knew what I was doing. Uh, I'd actually gone through and like put all my info into eTax just to make it easy and I'd yeah, royally messed it all up. That's not as weird as you might expect because I think that primary producers and artists fall in the same tax situation in a bunch of ways. Like yeah. you can submit a loss on your tax statement if you're a primary producer or an artist. So I feel like yeah. that's okay. That's an okay mistake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they always ask you questions like, are you a blah, blah, blah? Do you grow crops? And somewhere I tick the S. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Frank didn't know anything about what a creative might like to claim expenses for or anything. So I had to basically guide the accountant. I'm pretty sure, you know, like stationery is covered and studio rent. and But I got them filed. That was the main point. I didn't care if I had to pay. I didn't care how much I had to pay. I just knew that feeling of having them filed and out of the way it was so great. I would just pay anything to have it. Yeah, I know that feeling when you've got something that's been weighing on you for several years perhaps mm. and you finally get the admin done on it and it's away. Yeah. So we corrected the errors. Frank got everything filed. I was really happy. It was, again, it was another total mess. I have really skimmed over how much of a mess it was, but it definitely was. There was, I accidentally filed one year before the other. There was, yeah, it was, but Frank sorted it out. Um, a tax accountant is a blessing when it comes to this stuff. Can you tell me, do you remember how much Frank cost? It's approximately, I want to say 400 per year if you have a, business or an ABN. If you don't, it's 75 or 100, something like that. So if you just have like a full-time job type return, it's, yeah, it's 100. But that 400 is so worth it because uh, Frank pointed out so many more ways I could claim deductions that it more than offset that cost. Cool. Okay. Moving forward. Yes. Moving away from your tax shame, which I really appreciate you sharing because yeah. I think it's a common mm. and underheard story. Now you are quite good at tax. You seem to have your shit together. You've registered mm. for GST. Mm. You seem to know what you're doing. Yeah. Can you tell me what processes do you use now to do your tax? Tax now, tax is good. It's never going to be great, but it's compared to what I've come from, it is so much better. I know where things can go if I slip up. I know where things can go if I stop paying attention. By that, what do you mean? Like years of tax backlog. So you mean if you don't do your tax properly, you know what happens. And that's kind yeah. of like at the back of your mind. You're like, I have had this terrible experience yeah. and now I know what I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. And I know what starts one off on that slippery path and it always boils down to forgetting to invoice someone because you don't know what something is like what 
their address was or having an expense that you you're spending money on something that you don't know whether it's uh, an expense you can claim so you kind of just leave it there with the bookmark you know and you haven't filed it away and that kind of sits there until something else comes along that's related to that and then two things are now lying over there and then there's five then there's ten and then next thing you know you've got four years worth of tax returns that need to get done and you've completely forgotten that it all boiled down to like this one little really easy thing that you just didn't deal with when you had the chance and it's just grown so because i know what can happen i decided that going forward i needed to automate things i needed to have like a system that just made it easy for me to just blindly put in receipts invoice people without having to think too much because if i have to like you know think a lot about each invoice then at some point i'm going to trip over i'm going to hit a snag it's going to be something that i don't understand and it's going to cause a backlog so what what is this mystical <sighs> automation system that you speak of okay so i i decided to switch from invoicing people with excel to using an invoicing system two years ago i used one and there are, there are so many. There are so, so, so many. I used one specifically for freelancers, which was called Hive Itch. And it had a logo of a B and like Hive Itch. Um, Can you spell that? H-I-V-E-A-G-E. And it wasn't Australia specific. It was US specific, but it was great at um, sending out invoices that looked professional. It was easy to put data in. It was easy to put in new clients or contacts. You could see which invoices had not been paid. And how much was it? That one, it was free if you had less than 10 invoices a month or something like that. And the the add-ons were incremental. So if you wanted to accept credit card payments, you pay an extra $2 a month. Or if you wanted to use a custom domain name, it would be an extra $2 a month again. So all in all, I was paying maybe $15 a month with that one. And it worked fairly well for a while, except that system also had a snag. And I worked out what that snag was. And it was when someone paid me, the only way I would know is I would have to log into my bank account and check if I'd been paid and then go online to my invoicing system and mark that invoice off as paid. So often I would neglect going to my bank account and like checking to see who had paid me for a number of weeks. And then, you know, I would have to like sift through all these transactions to find, you know, that specific number. And this is the uh, tiny snag situation that yeah. you were talking tiny, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I left it too long, then that statement would disappear and I wouldn't be able to access it. I had a, a horrible bank that I won't, I won't name, but it just <laughs> made on, it, name and it made it really difficult to like find information quickly and easily. So when I had to register for GST, that was the trigger for me to really get the perfect system in place for myself. So I would have, you know, no problems because GST requires a higher amount of like awareness of how much money's coming in, how much money's going out, 
you need to file quarterly activity statements, which can be quite complicated. You've got to get receipts for you know, like the past three months. And, and I just knew this would become a big, big, big problem. But if I wanted to grow my business, and if I wanted to keep getting better and you know, getting more clients and bigger jobs, at some point I would have to register for GST. At some point I would have to work out a system that would handle that complexity because you can't grow you can't grow it's like a plant that will grow to fill a pot but then it won't get any bigger unless you repot it (laughs) i love that analogy jeff the plant that needs to be repotted yeah so what was the new system i needed a um a system that was australian based so one that could specifically handle gst out of the ones that I shortlisted were MYOB, there was Zero, there was FreshBooks. Um, those are three that come to mind. There could be more. I chose Zero because of a number of reasons. Zero had a really good mobile phone app, which allows you to take photos of receipts. Zero also partnered with accountants, so you could seamlessly transfer your information directly to your tax accountant and vice versa. So they could help you if you you ran into a problem right away. I also wanted a tax accountant that was specifically for creative people. One that would understand like, you know, what I could claim. I didn't want to have to explain what I do to an accountant. I wanted them to go, oh, you're an illustrator. You're a designer. Did you know like all this stuff? you can claim for. I've got friends in other industries who would just go on about their accountants and how great they were at sort of like spotting all these little claims, like people in acting go, oh, I can claim haircuts. And I was like, what? You know, my accountants don't tell me this stuff. Like I've got to ask them, you know? I know. I was looking up tax deductions for performance artists and I was like, you can deduct going to the gym and getting a haircut. (laughs) So which accountant do you use? So I did some research in Melbourne, which are the creative, not creative accountants, tax accountants for creative people. Um, (laughs) I really like that distinction. There are two that I found. One is Darkwave and the other is Nagel, N-A-G-L-E. I wound up going with Nagel. Both of those accountants are zero certified. That was another reason why I chose zero, because if my accountant uses zero and I use zero, then we're all like on the same page. And that hopefully prevents any, you know, future snags, you know, from ballooning out. Like it's really seamless. So why did you choose Nagel over a dark wave? I chose Nagel because there was someone else in the studio that was also with Nagel. Word of mouth, baby, word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. And so how much do you pay Nagel per annum? I think it's the same as any accountant, it's approximately 400 to 500. I think you make a great point though, which is ask your friends. That's kind of where this podcast is sort of coming from. Because I know when I was like, hey, can I talk to you about tax? You were like, "Um, I'm not a professional tax person. And I was like, not the point. The point is you have lived experience of both not doing your tax for several years on more than one occasion. And now you're quite good at it. You have learned things in that process. And I'm sure that other people can learn those things from you. So we're talking a lot about Mm. your person who's just now registered for GST. Mm. 
you are working full-time as an illustrator. You've been doing that for like six years. And now you're in a spot where you're like, yeah, actually, you know what? Spending $400 a year on an accountant and spending $50 a month on software makes sense to you financially. Mm. But what do you do if you do not have that much money? Like if you're not earning that much money from your art business? Yeah. To be at this point is is like to myself from six years ago would look at me now and go, what the fuck? Great. But yeah, six years ago when I started, I left my job with a bunch of savings and that had to pay for rent, food, my course. I did two years of graphic design at TAFE. How much savings did you have? I'd saved up approximately 20000 and I didn't know what I was doing with it. I think I just didn't spend a lot like I didn't go on holidays or do much so it just kind of sat in my bank account and just grew I never looked at it I never thought too much about it and then one day I didn't have a job one day I was just let go and uh, thank god that was there if that wasn't there I think I might have been motivated to find another job more so than to you know make a radical decision to do something different with my life so thank fuck I had that. I had no idea what I was saving it up for, but it turned out to be for this money fucking well spent. So that first year, I was very conscious. I had no income. I couldn't apply for odd study. I had to pay for rent and, and all this other stuff. So at that point, you know, I wasn't thinking about accounting software. I wasn't thinking about accountants. Like, Those were problems that had not even occurred to me could be problems. There were more immediate concerns before how do I deal with my tax? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like I need to work out food, shelter and what's the third one? Whatever it is. Um, (laughs) And automating your tax situation (laughs) is like nearer to the top of Maslow's hierarchy. Maslow's hierarchy of tax, you know, like that's up there. So if you're a person who's in a situation where maybe you're not earning a lot from your art business and you don't feel like you're in the situation to be able to afford an accountant, what's kind of the DIY Um, do your tax? Absolutely. So I tried using Excel spreadsheets. Thankfully, I knew how to use Excel, which I guess not everyone can. but, But I think back then as well, there weren't very many online invoicing options. So either you had to pay through the nose for like MYOB or something, which I just did not do. Actually, no, I did. I did do a trial of it and worked for a while and then it expired and then I had nothing. I used Excel. I used ATO, had like a little, like a strange little invoicing tax software thing that lasted for a few years and then they just pulled the plug on it. Typical. So yeah, I would always look for like the free option, the DIY option. Um, When it came to tax, my goal was simply to get my income below the threshold. So I had to pay no tax or as little as possible, which actually was pretty easy to do. So if someone was in that position, would you suggest, I mean, for me, I would be thinking, open up a separate bank account for your art business banking. Mm. Maybe try and go with a bank that doesn't have fees so that then at least you have a list of all of the items that are business expenses. So instead of having accounting software, it's something where you can look back over the year and really easily see it all. So yeah. if you're doing that, 
And then I have an Excel spreadsheet. I've got all my stuff in order. Where do I take it? Do I still take it to an accountant? You can take it to an accountant. Obviously, you can download e-tax for that year. You can follow the prompts as best you can whenever you get stuck. You can look it up, look up the answer on the ATO website. It's way more informative and helpful now than it used to be. They've got like a live chat thing going on. Ask Alex. You can call up the ATO and ask them any manner of question as well. So that's definitely an option to, to take up. Just play with e-tags like for the year, open it up, follow the prompts, put in the information you do know and just have a look at what comes out and see how it looks. For the first few years, that's what I tried to do. I wasn't able to actually file anything because I hadn't done the previous year and blah, blah, blah. But I could see that in some cases, this is how much I might owe. When you are freelancing, you are always going to owe if you are above the threshold, uh, which at the moment I think is 18,000. Thank fuck it's 18,000 now. It used to be six. Just to be clear about that, if that's new information to you, $18,000 is the amount that you can earn in a year before you have to start paying tax on your income. But yeah, it used to be lower. It used to be six. $6,000 is $500 a month. Yeah. So so that's, uh, yeah, sweet relief. It's a lot easier to get below 18 than it is to get below six. I think one of the things, particularly if you want to try and avoid big accounting fees is to ask your friends. Like I have friends who have friends and friends who will lodge their tax returns for like $150, but they have to give them all of the information, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want a DIY method, you usually have to (laughs) do a bit more (laughs) research. Yeah. The first time I went to an accountant, I thought they would do it all for me. And they said, no, you have to give us all the information and I watched that accountant just open something very similar to e-tax and just plug in stuff. And I went, I could do this myself. And then, you know, for the next three years, I thought I would just do it myself. And along the way, I accidentally put myself down as a farmer. Um, so, so they have some skills. Yeah, so they've got some skills. I was probably a little bit arrogant and thought I can do that myself. But yeah, but at the time, it wasn't as complicated as it is now. In terms of your tax situation or yeah. tax, in- yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I felt that I did, just didn't have the money to spend on an accountant. Wherever I could do something myself, I would just do it myself. And with the internet and, you know, social media um, and just asking friends, you can often get all the answers you need without having to seek professional help. The other yeah. thing to mention is that most accountants will offer a free first session. So that's an avenue you could explore if you wanted to it's kind of a try before you buy see if you like them and see if they get where you're at and what you're about so we talked about accountants how much accountants cost you've said zero number one way to go how much does zero cost the plan that i'm on with zero costs 50 dollars a month when i first signed up i got a 25 percent off coupon code so they called me out of the blue when I was doing the trial and said, oh, we see you're doing the trial. If you like, here's a 25% off coupon code. I can't say everyone's going to get that. It was right before the financial year. You know, I was like, I have to start the financial year with a clean slate. And uh, yeah, I was like, 
Zero seems really easy, and it is. For people for whom $50 a month might seem like a lot because mm. artists can be in all manner of different places in terms of how much they're earning, Zero also have a $25 a month option, which just is more limited, and um, you can get a free trial, and this isn't an ad for Zero. No. <laughs> but there's other things like personally I started using something called Money Brilliant, which is a free program, but it links with your bank accounts in a similar way to how Xero does. So it will track all of your transactions coming in and going out. It will send me email notifications when a big payment has been made, which is usually when an invoice has been paid and stuff like that. So there are some other options that are less expensive. Just to note, Money Brilliant do anonymize and sell your data. That's how they can be free. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else that you want to say about Zero? Uh, yeah. So the data feeds that you mentioned, that was another key reason why I chose Zero. Although there are other, there are definitely other invoicing systems that will accept data feeds. I switched bank accounts as well, and the bank account that I chose had data feeds, which is what I wanted. And just to explain what data feeds is, data feeds basically means what? Data feeds mean the transactions in your bank account can be exported to an invoicing system or exported to whatever. And why that's great is it means you don't need to log in and check when invoices have been paid because when zero has, when there's an invoice for X amount in, in zero and X amount comes into my bank account, Zero can see that directly because of the data feed and automatically match them. And it knows that that invoice has been paid. I don't need to manually go in and find it. And that is a huge help. Which is going back to what you were saying before about one of the things that really tripped you up was having to rely on yourself to do so many small administrative tasks. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Something that's automatic makes it so much easier. There's one thing that you actually said previously to me over the phone that I just want to repeat, (laughs) which is you said there are few joys in life like having a reconciled bank account. (laughs) Is that how you feel about your, your tax situation now, particularly compared to previous years, say like six years ago? Yeah, I feel like having reconciled accounts, it's like the holy grail. So what does having a reconciled account, what does that mean? It means that your bank balance, so the amount in your bank account matches exactly the amount in your accounting software right down to the cent. So what that means is basically all the transactions that are happening in your bank account are categorized and accounted for. So you know where all of the cash dollars is going. So what's so great about that? When it all matches, it means you can also export reports. So you can get like balance sheets and cash flow reports and stuff that sometimes accountants want to see. Or if you're applying for a home loan, like someone might want to take a look at. So you've got all these like really great professional accounting reports that you can just like spit out in complete confidence that, you know, everything is correct. You know, all the money going in and all the money going out is all matched and all the receipts are all correct and they all align and it's just perfect. It's it's such a relief. It's like a big tick. In fact, on zero when 
all your accounts are reconciled, you get a big green tick. And it's it's just so satisfying, this little animation. Yeah, it's... They have seriously gamified their their accounting software. So the last thing that I wanted to ask you about is the question that I think most people want to know. Do you know what it is? Uh, No, no. I don't know what this question is. No idea? No. How do I know what is tax deductible? Oh, well. (laughs) um, So we've talked about this previously mm. and kind of your answer was it's sort of a journey to learn those things. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely a journey. There are things that I thought were tax deductible or that I could claim as an expense that turns out I couldn't. Like what? For example, um, traveling to the studio every day. So commuting to work. I always thought that would be tax deductible. It wasn't. It was not. Not all meetings either. So business lunches, eh, not always. Although I have other friends who swear that it is. um, And my accountant swears that it's not. So when it comes to sort of what is deductible and what isn't, if you have a question, if you have a doubt, if you have an accountant, ask them. That's one of the great things about having an accountant. And that's why they're worth their fee at the end of the year is anytime you have a question, just email them and ask and you get the definitive answer. You can also Google or, you know, ask your friends. One thing that I thought about after speaking to you, because you said basically that you would just look it up. So every time you're like, hmm, question mark, you're like, okay, I will look up, is that tax deductible? And so you just accumulated this information around what is and isn't tax deductible. Mm. If people want to access that, you can go to the Australian Tax Office website and look up deductions for specific industries and occupations. There's like a whole list of different occupations and it will show you the specific things you can deduct from each of them. So, for instance, if I go into performing artists I can see like oh sometimes I can get deductions for my haircut and sometimes I can't and if I'm a trapeze artist I can get deductions for going to the gym and sometimes I can't and it's actually really quite specific and one thing that I thought you know I actually don't know much about deductions I'm like sort of shit at it and my approach with doing my taxes I'll get a bit better every year So I might be kind of crap at it now and then next year I'll understand a bit more and then the year after I'll understand a bit more about what's tax deductible. You know, I'm on the road to perfection. But one thing I thought that would be a good idea would be to actually just bookmark the ATO deductions webpage and every time I'm like, hmm, go to that damn webpage (laughs) and look it up so that then I will know yeah, yeah, I did not know that existed. So so thank you, Anna. Wait on, how uh, did you find out what's deductible then? I think I just went straight. I just asked very specific questions as opposed to going through like that top-down industry-based list. Yeah, and my questions are always like real, real specific. Like if you have a home studio, can you claim your rent and how much of it? And that was a really interesting answer. I don't know if it still applies, but for example, if you're working out of your bedroom, you can't. 
is this getting too close to actual advice? It's not. This is what I read. This is what I read. But if you have another, you need a dedicated room in your house that you work out of. And if you do, there's many different ways you can calculate how much of your rent you can claim. And one of them is the floor space of that room compared to the floor space of your whole house. So at some point you've got to call your landlord and go, um, what's the floor space of the house? <laughs> yeah, it can get quite technical. Yeah. And I think sometimes you even need to have permission from your landlord to be able to run a business out of your house if you are saying that you're using one of the rooms for business purposes. There's also really complicated stuff, which we don't have time for today around like depreciation of assets. And if you're buying equipment for your business and that you can claim the expense of the thing you buy becoming worth less money. So if you have a computer, it's worth $4,000 when you buy it. In a year's time, it's worth $3,500. You can Mm. claim the difference as a loss. Again, not a financial advisor. (laughs) These are questions I'm only just now asking my own accountant. So it sounds like for you, some of the biggest steps have been getting an accountant, paying for an accountant, and getting zero, something that's automated, or MYOB or FreshBooks or anything that automates as much as possible. I would also add, have a separate bank account just for your business, completely separate to personal, because that's another potential snag. If you have to sift through all your transactions and work out which ones are business related and which ones are personal, that can be a task that you might one day want to put off. So it's much, much easier to just have a business bank account. And it also helps when you have an invoicing system because you don't have to like, oh, not this one, not that one. And things reconcile. You can have the joy of reconciliation when you have a separate bank account. Yeah, so I think definitely a place to start is to have like business expenses separated. So Mm -hmm. I have a business account and it means that I don't have something automated like zero because for me, I'm like, that's kind of too expensive for where I'm at at the moment. But I can just go through at the end of year, just my business account and be like, oh, these are all business expenses Mm. because I do not want to look at my personal account. It's a mess. And that's kind of, I suppose, something that anyone could sort of do it wherever they are. And then maybe as they go further, move into more automated systems like Xero and maybe having a specific accountant. Do you have any advice on choosing an accountant? Try and find someone that services your industry so often that means asking friends who are in your industry who they use and their opinions of their accountants so to finish off i just want to ask you you now you've got your stuff together you know what you're doing picture yourself speaking to you six years ago Uh when you hadn't done your tax returns in the three or four years. What is the advice that you would give yourself back then? Or if you have a specific thing that you would tell you to read, what would it be? Don't be afraid to pay the accountant. Often I would try to do it myself before I went to an accountant because I've always tried to be frugal or be smart about like where I spend my money purely because of the the nature of the industry you you know it can be really unpredictable but I've learned that an accountant is money well spent they save you so so much sometimes it's the difference between like paying a few thousand 
dollars in tax at the end of the year that you need to find from somewhere, you know, you, you're getting money back, you know, and that's happened. Like I've expected to have to pay and my accountants sort of said, actually, no, you don't, you know, due to this, this and this, you're actually going to get something back. And I was like, what? There's been another time when I was staring down the barrel of like a huge um, tax bill. And I think the accountant sort of asked me how much of my income is derived from commissions and, and that type of thing. And we worked out that there's this thing called special services income averaging, which takes certain types of income and instead of taxing you in one year, sort of averages it out over five years, which reduces your income in that year and therefore the amount of tax you pay in that single year. And that can often mean, you know, a saving of a lot. And that's something I would never have known if I didn't have an accountant. So yeah, when it comes to tax, like anything that will make my life easier is, I feel, money well spent and I'm not afraid to like prioritize that you know overspending in other areas thank you I mean you are really selling me on the get an accountant trained (laughs) I'm there I'm with you I I want one now thank you this has been really great I really appreciate you sharing and I think your experiences are really common but often not talked about in public particularly because as artists we want to present ourselves as really having our shit together and money is just like kind of sometimes not what you're supposed to be focused on it's really uncool Um, yeah I guess if you're doing well you'll eventually make more money and you're probably going to have to pay more tax you're probably going to have to have a system in place that can handle higher amounts as well and I guess when you have a good system in place, you can aim higher. You can see further down the road. You can take opportunities that might have felt daunting because, you know, they involved larger sums of money that may put you over GST threshold, that type of thing. You know, suddenly it's fine. Like it's it's not something you're avoiding. And And we all want, I think we all want to be paid well. And I feel that when... You don't have your shit together. It, on some level, you might avoid opportunities that allow you to get paid well because being paid well is now linked to a huge amount of tax problems that, you know, that's going to result. Like, you know, I'm going to be paid really well, but then, God, like, how do I invoice it? And, like, you know, what do I claim for? And, like, receipts. And it's like a cognitive dissonance. There's like a... It's like a block, potentially. Yeah, well, when you have something automated like that and you don't have to spend as much time on it, then mm. you have more opportunities to broaden your horizons, perhaps. Yes. You have the freedom to focus on what you want to do and you don't have like a part of your daily thinking just worrying about tax. Like you don't want to. You don't want to worry about it. You know, you want it just to be automated. You just want to have a tax accountant or someone that can handle all that shit for you so you can get on with your your day you know have your you know unorthodox routine you know just be free be free to like you know do what you do best because tax is not what we do best you know it's not what a lot of people do best so it takes up so much more energy to deal with it than it would someone else for whom that is their profession thank you again really appreciate it 
and you're amazing. Thanks. That's it. Well, you're amazing. <laughs> thank you for yeah. Thank you for having me. I didn't know I knew this much. Yeah, when I first talked to you, you were really, really apprehensive about knowing stuff. You were like, uh, I don't really, I don't think I have stuff to tell people. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know two things. Is that enough for an hour? Apparently, yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks for listening to this episode. For anything that was mentioned in this episode, which is a lot of things, you can check out the show notes. There'll be a link in there and you can find them on our website, starvingartistpodcast.com. Or if you want to look in your little podcasting app, you can find there's a little link in there in the description. If you want to discuss anything to do with this episode, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or on Facebook. And if you want to ask a question for the Ask an Artist episodes, of which the first one went up last week, you can do so on Twitter. Just send me a question with the hashtag AskAnArtist and I'll see what I can do. This episode was edited by Lance Turnbull, Peter C. Hayward and myself. The intro music is also by me. This podcast was made possible by everyone who supports me on Patreon. If you want to be part of making sure things like this keep happening, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Honor Easley. Love and the beauty of a reconciled bank account. Till next time. Bye-bye.